This has been the least VR week that I could imagine. <laughs> now that I've tried to make myself into a full-time VR developer. You spent the whole week playing with hardware. I did. I spent the entire week not just playing with hardware, but playing with software and trying to get things working. And uh, so I have three topics that are VR related, development related, one of which is the laptop tales of woe and misery. Mm -hmm. And then a potential game idea that I was hoping we could talk about. And then uh, introducing the, the concept of bad game ideas, if we have time for that. Just uh, something I'd like to do from time to time on the podcast. Just uh, I have plenty of bad ideas. Not necessarily, you know, like anything from like, this is a really bad idea. Nobody should ever make this. But also like just ideas that are just impossible for me to ever execute on that I still think are fun to talk about. Okay. To just like uh, totally absurd stuff that, sure, it would be a lot of fun to make and uh, maybe I will someday. But just figured uh, we've had a lot of fun in the past just talking about ideas for games and applications and all kinds of stuff. So figured we could just kind of riff off of those topics occasionally. So those are my three topics. Do you have anything on your list that we want to talk about? I know you're mostly working on your uh, your other development projects. Your my day job, as you called it last my week. My day job. Um, still cracks me up. It's it's still unfortunately the best word for it. Um, even though almost none of it happens during daylight. <laughs> well, actually, these days I've been waking up at normal hours. Um, it's kind of weird, but I'll be up at somewhere between eight and ten in the morning, oh. um, working until I mean up until midnight to two o'clock in the morning. Sleep for eight hours, get up, and do it again. Um, yeah. It's about the schedule I'm on right now. The more physical activity I do, the more I seem to be in line with the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm just working at my computer and sitting at my couch and sleeping in my bed and eating food, I lose all connection with, <laughs> with normal human uh, timelines and, and sleep cycles. So, yeah. Um, but it's still kind of funny to express it as the day job in which both of those words are completely false. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my laptop shows up tomorrow, so I'll have uh, commentary, and I'll be taking notes as you're going and talking okay. about all the fun that you had. Okay. Um, and the only other thing I had was we might talk about the uh, new Unreal Engine course mm -hmm. that was released on Udemy. Yeah, um, I haven't started it yet, but it looks okay. pretty looks pretty awesome. Well, I, I thought it would be interesting as a conversation thing, just because we've been you've been working on that one course, I've been planning on doing that one course, and then all of a sudden, Unreal Engine releases the official course, and we're both kind of looking at oh, okay, well, let's do that first, mm -hmm. um, and the thought process behind that might be interesting. Sure, cool. So yeah, we'll talk about uh, laptop tales of misery 
and some game ideas and some education stuff. So let's get started. Um, where do I begin with the laptop? So last time we talked a week ago on Sunday night, I was expecting the laptop the following day, and it arrived, I don't know, five-ish, around five in the afternoon. And I spent the evening unboxing it, um, getting it set up. And my first big mistake was, actually, not necessarily. My first mistake was installing High Sierra and enabling the Apple file system. And then uh, that wasn't really the biggest mistake. It was. Let's clarify that that was the Apple High Sierra Beta 1. Yes. Yeah. Pretty early beta. Um, That wasn't necessarily the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake was not immediately trying to get boot camp up and running right away. It was what I did the rest of the evening was install all of the other applications I use and customize the entire Mac exactly the way I wanted. And then uh, the next day, start diving into the boot camp stuff. And none of it was going to work. The Apple file system couldn't be partitioned with any of the disk utility tools. The boot camp assistant doesn't work at all in high sierra at this point at least not with the apple file system and uh eventually i ended up where i shouldn't be um basically booted into recovery mode in the terminal on my own and manually partitioning stuff at the command line level and that didn't go very well so uh, hang on a second speak slower i'm taking notes (laughs) go ahead um Basically, I I figured out, after a lot of troubleshooting, I eventually figured out the Apple file system is what was causing all the issues. The bootcamp system couldn't run because it couldn't partition a drive, and the and disk utility couldn't partition anything because partitioning Apple file system isn't supported except through the command line right now. So I went into the command line and started doing it there. And unfortunately, I had a syntax error on the first line that I typed in and it returned it returned an error. I said, Oh, okay, let me I didn't it didn't occur to me that I had just had a syntax error. I thought I was pointing to the wrong drive. So I changed the drive number, which proved that uh what well, I I changed the drive number and then saw the syntax error and then, you know, I, I think it was just like a, a capital gigabyte GB instead of a lowercase GB. I changed it to a lowercase without changing the drive number back to what it should have been. And basically I blew out the, the entire drive. So the, <laughs> yeah. So there, there was nothing left on the laptop at that point, except for the stuff in uh, recovery. So I got to re download Sierra. Fortunately, Sierra is what shipped with, with the laptop. So that's what it told itself to go download. And uh, yes, yeah, so that was pretty nasty. So I eventually, you know, I spent the rest of the day, I think this is Tuesday, get, get, getting into Wednesday at this point. Um, then uh, finally got Sierra up and running again, not on the beta, not on Apple file system, was able to use the bootcamp assistant, um, got that all partitioned out, got it up and running, got Windows set up, got Unreal Engine installed on Windows, got Visual Studio installed on Windows. Things are looking good so far. So then I went back to the Mac side and uh, started getting things set up there. I noticed the first day in Windows, though, I was having a lot of connectivity issues. Um, basically, I could, I was losing 
the laptop was on Wi-Fi and I was losing connectivity, you know, sometimes once a minute, sometimes every couple of minutes, sometimes once an hour. I was able to download stuff because they, like the Unreal Engine, just used a, a pretty solid downloader that it, when it lost connectivity, it just, you know, kept trying until it got the connection back. Okay. Um, Visual Studio did the same thing. Anything else that I tried to download off of in Chrome just kept failing, and uh, including Steam. And since I couldn't get Steam, I couldn't get Steam VR. So after a lot of troubleshooting with that, I figured out that Apple had put together a, a kind of a kludgy custom wireless chip for this laptop that combines the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth chipsets into one. And because it's a roll-your-own thing of theirs, there's not really good drivers on it. And people have been having this issue since the 2016 laptops that came out last fall. And it's only... Well, I guess it's all of the laptops, but it's only certain types of routers and certain types of connections, and it just happened to be what I have, provided by my crappy cable company. So, I uh, basically I had to wait a couple days for a, wi- uh, a wireless adapter. So I ordered a, just a cheap wireless dongle off of Amazon for like fourteen bucks, so that I could have a stable connection when I'm at home without having to move my router into a different room and manually hardwire things in. Um, so in the meantime, I got the rest of the Windows environment set up. I downloaded a bunch of Steam games. Still didn't have Steam VR up and running at this point because um, I needed more. I, I was having trouble with the external GPU in Windows. So I think at this point we're getting into Thursday or Friday. Still nothing running. And finally, I get the wireless chip on Saturday. That's when I finally can have a stable internet connection to Windows long enough to really start troubleshooting this. And I spent, this is last night by this point, I spent five or six hours trying to figure out why I can't get the HTC Vive working. I can't even get the the developer kit with the external GPU. Windows won't even see it, that it exists at all. It can't. It can't even tell I plugged anything in. Usually when you plug in a Thunderbolt 3 device in Windows, it recognizes it immediately. It's like, hey, you just plugged something in. Let me see if I can find drivers for that. And it, this wasn't happening. And uh, after more time than I should have spent on it, um, basically Apple's not supporting Boot Camp with the external GPU. And it seems like they have actually gone out of their way to make sure you can't connect an external GPU. So some people have got it working with the 2016 laptops, but they're using kind of a really hacky solution with running Windows on an external drive and doing some kind of weird booting technique that basically every time there's a software update, they've got to redo a bunch of stuff. And like, this is not, this is turning into a bad situation really fast. Like I can't have my development environment go away every time there's a software update. Like that's not okay. So I got frustrated, and I took the laptop back today. Um, took the laptop back, the developer kit, the LG monitor, all of it, back to the Apple Store. Wow. And, yeah, just like this is, not, this is not good enough. I can't work on this. I can't do consistent work. I, I basically wasted an entire week of, I can't call it productivity because it wasn't productive, but uh, I wasted an entire week trying to get this laptop up and running. And 
Yeah, it was just too much. And there was issues on the Mac side as well. Um, some of them may have been High Sierra related. Some of them, I think, are hardware related with the laptop. Uh, <laughs> one was just blew my mind. If I, I have a couple of external drives, I have, a, you know, I'm sitting in front of a, a brand new laptop with four USB-C Thunderbolt ports. And I want to plug in two of my external drives to copy data from one to the other. Doing that means I can't be on the internet at the same time. What? Like, just plugging in both drives breaks the wireless chip while they're both plugged in. Doesn't matter which ports. Like, what's happening here? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. And then there was another issue where I'm just, you know, typing, taking some notes. I hit the delete key to, you know, as a backspace. It... It's like the delete key got stuck, but not physically. It's like a, a software version of it getting stuck, and I lost control of the OS. This happened twice. And basically, I couldn't type anything. I couldn't close an app. I couldn't open an app. I couldn't start activity monitor to start killing things. I couldn't force quit anything. The only thing I could do was what I call a smothering reboot, which is when you jam your finger on the, on the power button until it dies. That's the only thing that would make it stop. And that happened in the middle of a 500 gigabyte transfer from one drive to another. I'm like, yeah, that's just not good. Now, again, this was all in the high Sierra beta one. Yeah. Okay. Well, cause, cause I'm starting to get I, I worried because mild copy of the exact same laptop you had shows up tomorrow. So I, I think this backspace thing happened on Sierra too, though. Because I had Sierra running for three or four days, and it happened then. It happened again yesterday, and that was in High Sierra. So I put High Sierra back on it yesterday morning. I ran Sierra like Tuesday until Saturday morning, and then put High Sierra beta back on it yesterday without the Apple file system, and that was relatively stable. Um, I did get, while I had that configured, I did get the developer kit working and got... Um, Steam VR room setup done, but there's nothing else to do there. There's no Steam dashboard. There's no obviously there's no content for it yet. But I was able to confirm that hey, the HTC Vive can be connected to the external GPU, connected to the laptop, and it worked. And I was really happy with that. And so then I tried to go over to the Windows side and get everything back up and running so I can get back to work, and nothing would work at all. So yeah, everything is uh, returned to the Apple Store. Just waiting on a refund at this point, and uh, spent today, you know, dusting off the razor and getting it back set back up for a development environment, and uh, just gonna go back to that for now. That is a horrible story, Joe. Yeah, I usually don't have poor experiences with laptops, but or with computers in general. But this year, there was a. A pretty nasty experience with the first blade that I had. Now I've got a pretty solid one. And then uh, now this MacBook. And I'm hoping it was just that computer. Maybe I'm hoping that there was a faulty delete key in that or the there was a wire crossed with the, with the USB-C ports or something to cause those issues. But that's not how a laptop is supposed to work. No. Especially a $3,500 laptop. So yeah, I'm sitting, you know, we're recording this now on my four-year-old MacBook that I got refurbed uh, off the refurb store. And like, it's 
completely stable. It's not running any betas, obviously. And uh, I'm just going to stick with this basically until I can't anymore. And as nice as it sounds to be able to develop Unreal Engine in Mac OS, if I can't also do that in Windows, that's not of value to me at this point. Right. Like unless unless somehow on a fluke the Mac game community, the Mac game consumer market becomes so high for VR content that I can make a living just making VR games for Mac and never being able to run them on Windows, then maybe I'll think about that. But as long as most of the most of the customers are, are on Windows, I need to have a working VR environment on Windows, which means keeping the Razer. And the only reason I wanted the new MacBook is to replace both of these computers. Right. And I, it's just not doable. So yeah, you know, just I don't, I don't really know any lessons learned other than do more research before you buy a thing. <laughs> um, this was definitely a, a case of me watching the keynote and then buying the laptop within an hour of the keynote without doing enough research. If I had spent a couple days looking into it more, I would have found out some of this information. And I would have, uh, my my order probably wouldn't have even gone through at this point. So I could have canceled it. But yeah, that's where I'm at with the laptop. Are you uh, excited about getting yours? <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my needs for the next month, at least, are still simpler than yours. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a Mac laptop that can also run Windows, but I just need to be able to do, you know, parallels or VMware just to be able to get into Visual Studio for doing basic desktop development for the day job stuff. Yeah. As um, long as you don't need to all that was working just fine in boot camp. It's just that I couldn't get the external GPU working. Right. And I don't need that to work right now. Yeah. Um I will eventually. Mm-hmm. But today is not that day. So until yeah. I get back from from the conference, I won't need I won't I won't need that stuff on the laptop. Yeah. So hopefully that gives everything a little bit more time to mature and settle in. Um Yeah. Hopefully, I mean I know at High Sierra is in beta the bootcamp stuff the drivers always get pretty low priority like they released the macbook you know the 2016 macbooks in november and they put out decent drivers for bootcamp in like march so like they're they don't really prioritize the stuff and i can see why it's not a very it's not a very common use case if you look at their market as a whole but right and so I think there are certain advantages that I get if I'm going to be virtualizing Windows, even off of a drive partition. Because when it's running that way, Windows doesn't take over the wireless controller. Mm-hmm. Windows tunnels through the Mac's network. Yeah. So as long as the fine. Mac can maintain a steady network connection in the VM, it will have a steady internet connection. And you probably don't have the crappy classification router that I do. I've got some cable company router from, I think I've had it since 2011. I've got a much more recent crappy internet or internet provider modem. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Well, that's a horrible story, Joe, and I'm sorry that you shared it with me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you you seemed almost almost happy with the laptop as of Thursday when I saw you. Yeah, I was having some issues with it, but uh, I, I can say like just running Windows in boot camp was a really good experience aside from the wireless issues. It Windows seemed really solid and incredibly fast and responsive. Like it, it was, it was pretty good. I was looking forward to being able to work like that, and uh, just didn't happen. Um, I guess one of the some of the other gripes about the laptop and the G, the external GPU is the way that Mac. The way that Apple's currently implemented this, I'm not sure if they plan on shipping this, but currently you are using your Mac. Say you use it like I do, where you, you know, restart your computer every six months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always got 30 apps open. I've got seven different desktops or spaces that I work on with apps grouped in certain ways. And and I can leave a group of apps alone for weeks at a time without using them, and then go back to that type of work. And uh, that's not possible with this because every time you plug in the eGPU you have to log out it closes all your apps it you know forgets most of what you're doing it tries to put things back together but it always fails yeah and and uh i'm someone who gets my laptop and picks it up and takes it somewhere besides one spot um so not being able to do that plus having to just you know boot from mac os into windows two or three times a day and back and forth. It just wasn't going to work. So I am back to, you know, I've got the Razer um, all set up. I've got an external monitor on the way for that, a pretty decent LG 4K display I'm going to use for that. And uh, basically just stay, make that my main work machine. This MacBook, this late 2013 MacBook will be the podcast recording machine and uh, basically a personal tool at this point. I can still do some FileMaker work on here as I need to and some web development, things like that. But, um, did, did you get any funny looks taking the eGPU system back to the Apple Store? They had no idea what it was. <laughs> Not a clue. But, uh, yeah. I will say the LG display that I had for the MacBook was really, really nice. It just wouldn't work on the Razer. Like, it just plug it in, nothing. Windows doesn't even acknowledge its existence. Huh. Wow, Joe, you're making me happier and happier by the minute. Thanks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I... I got the Razer set back up. I will mention when I keep saying I got these two laptops set back up. The day before I abandoned my brand new laptop, I wiped both of the old ones <laughs> and prepared them for sale. <laughs> <laughs> so if I just waited 24 hours, I could have just closed that one and opened these two and gotten back to work. But maybe nope. Maybe a little over ambitious there. Just yeah, I w- they were sitting in a room all week untouched. With all of their content, all their software loaded, I just left them alone for six days. I couldn't leave them alone for seven or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, Joe. 
This is not the kind of educational story that I want to have on this podcast, Joe. I mean, it was very <laughs> educational, but it's not certainly not uplifting. No, definitely not. Oh. So I, you know, I got the razor set back up last night, and of course, I immediately had to get Steam VR running. And the one game I wanted to get done, get loaded before bed, was a uh, Throttle Power, or you know, Power with an H. I'm bad at saying that. But it's, I think I mentioned it last week, you're, you're basically a ball with wheels for arms, like motorcycle wheels. Right. And, and you just, just zip, zip around and it's kind of like a weird twisted Tony Hawk type game. Good music, lots of stunts to do, lots of tricks to do. Early access, no, there's not really any objectives yet. It's just a lot of fun. And, uh. So I had to get had to get that up and running last night just to have some VR because at that at that point it had been a week since I had any VR at all. So I was like, you know, I'm, this is weird. I don't think I've gone this long without any VR experiences since I got the Vive. So I got that back up and running, and I guess that kind of brings me to the second topic, which is I keep going back to that game even though there's nothing to do there. It's just a lot of fun. And I'm starting to realize that I've, I've got a dozen or so VR app ideas and games, but none of them include any kind of speed-based locomotion or flying or driving, anything like that. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, the games that I keep going to the most are the ones with the most locomotion, where I can fly, I can do, you know, do jumps and ramps and stuff like that. So I'm like... Why am I not thinking in, in these terms? Like this is clearly what I'm having fun with. I can't be alone in that because obviously people are making these games. So I, I really need to rethink um, what I want to do for my first project and come up with something that is more locomotion based. Obviously, it's going to have a smaller uh, user base because a lot of people don't want to deal with the locomotion in VR. But I think it's a lot of fun. I haven't gotten any motion sickness. The only time I've gotten any kind of motion sickness in VR is from a game that messes with re- reality. It's called Relativity. And uh, basically, you move from one plane to the next. So, you know, you basically walk up a wall and everything, your environment shifts around. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit disorienting. <laughs> any game that uses, you know, real laws of physics um, has been super fun. I, I thought your your most played VR game historically was a game of solitaire yeah i still think that's probably got the most hours logged on it it might be neck and neck with uh trickster because I've, I've played a lot of trickster okay it is a very very fun game but i think uh throttle power is is going to take the lead within this week because I, I probably spend at least an hour a day there just playing around Every you know, there was an update that came out like last weekend, and they added a couple new jumps and changed some things around. So, well, in the long run, it doesn't matter how many people hate your game; mm-hmm. it only matters how many people love your game. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess one of the one of the game ideas I had along this lines, I was hoping we could talk about. It's not even a game idea. I just thought about it taking a walk before the podcast. Um, obviously, I, I think VR is a good environment for solving a maze. 
a relatively complex maze. Um, you could build it a number of different ways. You could build it as level-based things, like redo this maze, or you could do it a more procedural type of thing. But why not make that maze something that you go through very, very quickly? Whether you're you know, flying on a rocket or you're a, uni- a motorcycle, unicycle, a horse, I don't care. It, or you could just be no object at all with a, f- a source of propulsion. Okay. Um, so, you know, thinking of not necessarily a... A, a hallway-based maze, but more of a series of tubes. I could make the internet, basically. <laughs> um, I'm thinking almost like a series of tubes that you have to fly through, and you get to nodes, and each node has, you know, kind of like Jeffrey, Jeffrey's tubes in Star Trek. You've mm-hmm. got you got to figure out which node to go into to keep moving the maze, and every time you get to a node, you could have, you know, four choices or 32. Like, however many you know, I can make the node really big and make make the entire thing kind of sphere based, um, and just have lots of different tubes going in all different directions, and and make it almost impossible to build a sense of where you are in the larger cluster of nodes, um, because you're inside it. You would never be able to see it from the outside, or maybe you would at the end of the level, like see your path through. And it could even be multiple paths through. But uh, I, I guess I'm thinking that type of thing, but the kind of kind of the kind of reckless flying of the Millennium Falcon into the Death Star. Okay, like you're going really fast. You got to get you got to make the right choices, and then not crash into all this stuff. Oh, so had, you're thinking crashing would kill you? Either that or set you back. I don't know. Okay. That makes it a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could kill you, or it could be you crash and you end up somewhere else. I don't know. I have no I have no real mm-hmm. idea yet. I'm just thinking of things that would be I think would be fun. Sure. You could borrow from Star Wars and do something where you have to get in and then get out. Mm-hmm. Get a thing, shoot a thing. Yeah. In the process, that closes your pathway in, so you have to find a completely different pathway out. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, one of your problems may be procedurally building the maps. Yeah. But if you just design really good ones manually, you could come up with something better than a procedural design. Yeah. For that type of mission based thing, I wouldn't want to do procedural stuff. If it was more of just a, see how long you can not die. That would be a good (laughs) use case. Um, we have some of the other stuff I like for the propulsion stuff, like in, in throttle power. I really like the, big freaking jumps where you are just up in the air. Mm-hmm. You're falling, but you're in, you have some semblance of control and, uh, that's really fun. So how can I, how can I create that feeling in different ways? Obviously I don't want to just clone that game. 
right. do something just like it. I'd rather do something something completely different, but with that same kind of like reckless control scheme. There was an old what Super Nintendo game mm-hmm. that I used to love called Uniracers. And it was little anthropomorphic unicycles that were racing. And the race tracks had lots of jumps. And then you could do various maneuvers to do cool stunts. Mm-hmm. So add a backflip to your jump or a double front flip or something like that. And you could potentially even map that into um, the actual stance that you have while you're playing the game. So to do the backflip, you actually have to like throw your arms out to the side and stick your head back. (laughs) Yeah, you're getting crazy. (laughs) And that could get you your backflip rather than some weird combination of key presses on the controller that makes that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Has anybody done a skydiving game? I'm sure. I haven't checked, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't. I do know that in uh, that ultimate booster experience, they did have a uh, bungee jumping experience. They didn't tell you it was a bungee jumping experience. They just, <laughs> they just introduce a lever next to you and you pull the lever and then you get to find out that it's a bungee jumping experience. <laughs> there was an Terrifying. early Oculus demo that was vaguely like that where you find yourself kind of lying down on this bench and you're kind of looking around and seeing what's going on. And then you kind of look up above you and it's a guillotine blade falling towards you. Oh no. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I did get uh, Richie's plank experience a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. Some fun with that. Yeah. It, it took me, it took me two or three times to actually be able to walk out on the plank. That was pretty scary. And then I got uh, basically I tried to make my mom do it. She couldn't do it. Tried to make my dad do it when he was over. Couldn't do it. Um, I think I've had four or five people try it. And uh, one of them walked out. And he he was obviously just like just didn't even care. He's like, I'm in a headset right now and just like walk straight forward. I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, did you hear the news from E3? Which news? There's been a lot of news. There was a lot. Um, Fallout 4 is coming to the Vive. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of friends who think that Fallout 4 is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. One of them suggested that uh, when Fallout 4 is released for VR for the Vive... About two months later, I'm going to be scraping their corpse off of my living room floor because they I, just I stayed hope... in there and ate fake food and drank fake cola <laughs> until they starved to death. I I hope that game sells some vibes or how's it has in general. Are they, are they only bringing it to the vibe or just bringing it to VR in general? The structure of the announcement seemed as though they were bringing specific games to specific headsets. 
So I think Doom was coming to uh, PSVR. Okay. And Fallout 4 was announced specifically for the Vive. Hmm. I have no idea how quickly that's going to expand, if they're in any way um, exclusives or anything. I don't know that Bethesda would... I mean, it would take some serious money to make them not release on multiple platforms or a specific business decision. I mean, they, it almost looks scattered. So they may be putting stuff here, there and everywhere to see what takes off. Okay. I I don't know. I don't know exactly what the strategy is, but well, maybe it's just because fallout is better suited for the five because of the motion controllers, because you can have one hand be the, the hand controls things like that where you can't really pull that off in PSVR yet. It's not as well. That could also be, I mean, I'm not in a position to really assess the other ones. I haven't done huge amounts of research into their specific limitations. I did mm-hmm. Oculus versus Vive. And yeah. once I made my decision, that was the choice that I had made for at least a while until something obviously dramatically better pops up. Yeah. So that brings me to the bad game idea. That's actually, it ties right into that because my bad game idea is uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've been listening back through a bunch of podcasts from the early days of, you know, when the Oculus DK1 was first shipping. And um, I think I'm like midway through 2015. And at this point, (laughs) like people know the vibe exists yet, but it hasn't shipped dev kits yet. And people knew about Project Morpheus, but only a, only a couple AAA people had them. So, like, there are there's the bigger VR community that really started with Oculus and then splintered in other platforms, and then there's kind of micro communities around it. And obviously, when when you invest in a platform, you have a certain ownership of the, that platform. And there are there are people that are diehard Vive enthusiasts and diehard Oculus enthusiasts and and, and PSVR. And uh, I think a a fun game would be a an online multiplayer game where it's basically a war of platforms. So you log in with a Vive on, you're on the Vive team, and you've got weapons that are based on the specifications of the headsets that you have. So if your platform is superior, like if you've got higher resolution or better motion tracking things, you've got superior abilities to the other platforms um at the same time psvr has sold two or three times as many units so you're way outnumbered you know just make it a a multi-platform game where you know two hundred thousand vive owners have to fight a million psvr owners obviously no one those numbers are never going to play the game but if the game ever existed, which it probably won't because it's the bad game idea. And then all of a sudden, one day, half a billion iPhone users just send <laughs> upon them. Oh, God. <laughs> and that just reminds me of like the, the white and black characters from uh, uh, Snow Crash, like the cheap avatars, uh-huh. people logging in from public terminals. That would be the iPhone users, basically. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you could, you could have a lot of fun with that. You give them specific like bases that they have to mm-hmm. defend. Um, yeah. And you could like to really do it right. It couldn't be 
someone that was an enthusiast of one platform making the game. You'd have to have somebody make the game and then release basically an SDK or an API for each environment or each community to make their own weapons with their own tools. So you can you can kind of limit what what the Vive users can do based on the Vive hardware mm-hmm. and what the Oculus users can do. Like, hey, Oculus users can't turn around unless they have three. <laughs> unless they have uh, three base stations. You can only run straight forward and slightly to either side. Um, oh, God, Joe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess I guess that same point uh PSVR users can they can only go forward but they can strafe and things like that. Um I think that game would get you a lot of attention. <laughs> Not necessarily the good attention. Oh no 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 every every single platform here's the trick. I, I don't think you should go with your SDK thing with the weapons and stuff. I think you should do every platform. Mm-hmm. You know, doing it through Unreal Engine shouldn't be too rough. It should support basically all of those platforms. And so you build the app with those specific limitations. <laughs> so basically, the unless you have the third camera on the Oculus, you can run backwards, but you can't see where you're going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Joe makes friends on the internet. <laughs> that's that's what the game is called. <laughs> yep, that's a that's a pretty bad idea. Not going to make it, but it would be fun. I would I would play something like that, like just kind of a <clears throat> you know rel- relatively lighthearted. You know, if you're serious about this platform, defend your platform. You know, defend the honor of the vibe. <laughs> Um, but you, you would even think about it long term, you know, say Oculus 2 comes out and Vive 2 and other things come into the market. Just because there are Vive 2s shipping doesn't mean the Vive users get souped up abilities. Only the Vive 2 users get souped up abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be fun. It's one of those things that I'll never make just because it involves, you know, networking and a multiplayer environment that I have no hope of developing right now. It's not without a ton of money and a ton of other developers, but uh, I would play it. So if anybody else happens to listen to this and wants to make that, please do and let me know. And then uh, I will defend the honor of the Vive. I will attempt to defend the honor of the Vive, but just die a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be a big part of it. Awesome. It, we could even, you could even work in bugs for each platform. So, like, Vive users just occasionally just get a gray screen for no reason. <laughs> like, right in the middle of a fight. Oh, wait. No, no, no. So, part of my brain keeps trying to turn this into a good idea, which is kind of not the point. go ahead but it would be something where like if you are a vive user and you put your hands over your face the headset stops tracking which (laughs) in the game would turn you invisible you become non-corporeal now you can't see anything that's going on in the game 
but you're like in a pocket universe until you uncover and pop out. And now there's eight people standing there to dice you up with knives. Because mm-hmm. um, in my head, I was thinking if you figured out how to turn the specific advantages and disadvantages of each platform into specific special abilities that each in their own way was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then you, you find you develop a, 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 a class of users for the OSVR users and they can just do anything they want. <laughs> Because obviously they can add whatever components they want to their headsets. Maybe. Maybe. We'd, we'd have to see what the hardware is like. That would be a great game if you just wanted an excuse to buy all the VR systems. Yeah. To buy all of them. and All the hardware. Yeah. So you've got all the headsets on little like bungee cords attached to the ceiling of the room. So you can just push one off and grab another one and pull it down. Oh, I don't think I haven't thought of that. <laughs> I, I want to kind of like the uh, the cone of silence from uh, Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Just lowers down when I need it. So yeah, that's my bad game idea for this week. And uh, yeah, not not making that. But feel free to make that if you're someone who can make that. Yep, all all rights released. Knock yourself out. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about uh, some education stuff for the new Udemy course. Um, I will find a link to this and put it in the show notes when I post this. Yeah, so um, you've been working on the huge Unreal Engine Udemy course Mm -hmm. um, for a couple of weeks. Like, I think it's called something along the lines of uh, Unreal Engine Developing with C++, something like that. It's like a 55-hour long course that goes through five different games, um, mostly in C++, but a lot of blueprints as well, and seeing how they work together. It's a bit of a slow-paced course, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of, I'm going to show you how to mess up and then show you how to fix it, which I understand the value of that if you've never programmed anything before, but I have, and I'm finding it kind of tedious. Um, I would say the course could have been 20 hours, but it's 55. Okay. So it's rather long. So then this new course came out. Um, it's not made by Unreal Engine. It's made by an independent person and Epic gave it their blessing like hey uh, this is the thing that people should check out and it starts this is a blueprints course uh, so you make two games in blueprints i'm not sure if you do anything in c i would hope so because i don't know that would seem weird to me but i haven't done the course yet but i you know i picked it up the other day it was on sale for twenty dollars and uh i plan on starting it this week or next but you were thinking of starting with that right off the bat. Uh, yeah, just kind of as a as a differing perspective, the the blueprints are probably the thing that I find most fascinating about the structure. And so mm-hmm. starting first with an environment where they look at uh, procedurally, they look at blueprints first 
and then other things second. I'm kind of just curious to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll probably give me a really strong basis in, or hopefully give me a strong basis in both those things, like the environment and setting things up and building things, but also then in the blueprint side and then going in after the fact and going, okay, what does the code behind all of this look like? What can I do? Let me learn the C plus plus. Um, it also will make it easier for me psychologically to get into while I'm writing a lot of text based code. Yeah. Like if I'm writing a lot of Swift and C sharp for my day job, I don't necessarily want to come home in the evening and start writing a bunch more lines of text. Yeah, that makes sense. Even in another language and to a certain degree in a different language almost makes it worse. Yeah. Though I do love your idea. It would be so awesome if unreal engine supported Swift. Oh yeah. That would be lovely. That would be very, very nice. Or really any modern language. (laughs) (laughs) But Swift would be nice. It's not, it's not going to happen. Well, I don't know. Um, I mean, the main, the the big compelling thing about Unreal Engine is that it compiles on anything. It runs on anything. It's got so many platforms it can target, and they all can run C++, and not many of them can run Swift. Right. Um... So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just hoping that'll give me a slightly easier inroad. It's a slightly shorter course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, fifteen hours or so. Yeah. So start there and then backtrack and pick up the C plus plus stuff. Skim over some of the parts that end up being review from the first course. Mm-hmm. Um. But. I was mostly proposing that when you were still working on the original course and going forward. And I thought that would make for an interesting contrast between our two perspectives is that you were learning primarily the code side and I was learning primarily the blueprint side. And then that's a source of conflict and that's good drama. Mm-hmm. But you're thinking about shifting over too. No, I think I'm going to, I'm going to spend, I think I'm going to try and finish the, the larger course just because I know if I stop, I will never finish it. So mm-hmm. I, I've got about 30% of it left. So I'm really just going to try to ramp up this week. Oh, you're that far um, in. Yeah. Um, so I don't have that much left to do. And I've got a pretty late week. Um, I don't really have any consulting stuff happening this week. So I should be able to spend a lot of time on on Real Engine. So that is the plan. Uh, try to dive into that course. There is a little mini tutorial I want to do tomorrow. I haven't even looked at the details, but the title grabbed me. It is a, let me pull it up. It is a blog post by somebody I just found recently, and it is basically making the Attack on Titan grappling system, which is an anime that I like, Dave. I know you haven't, Mm -hmm. uh, you haven't watched it, even though I've extolled its virtues to you on multiple occasions. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating concept because the grappling system in this anime is very sophisticated and making that in the real engine sounds like a lot of fun. So there's two blog posts and videos that go along with this. So I'm going to do that first thing tomorrow. 
Is, is that going to end up in the show notes or something? Because I kind of like to take a look at it. Sure. Yep. Yeah, no, I actually thought about you, um, what was it, Thursday, before the meeting, when I ended up seeing you anyway, was um, I was at the Origins Game Fair in Columbus, looking at lots and lots of board games, and there's an Attack on Titan um, deck-building card game that's out now. And I looked at the reviews, and it's not... It's not exceptionally highly rated. No, it's probably just a money grab, a marketing grab. It's a, it's an incredibly popular franchise, and uh, they made this really compelling story, and then they made one season of the anime, and then took like three years off before making season two, which is currently airing in Japan, which I haven't even looked at yet. Um. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, as soon as it aired in the U.S., like, 30% of every anime convention was Attack on Titan cosplay. <laughs> wow, this is really, really popular. It is It is a pretty good story, though. Very dark. No, it's still on my list to check out. It just hasn't happened yet. And yeah, I think... This, this- I, I think you'd rather that I dug into the VR stuff than spend a couple of evenings watching Attack on Titan, though it's probably close. Yeah. The, this uh, this grappling system would be... I'm not sure if this tutorial has anything to do with VR or just making this an Unreal Engine in general, but it would be fascinating to use this grappling system in VR. That would be really, really fun. I think anybody who's seen the show would probably enjoy that. And it's a big enough franchise. Uh, hopefully the company will make some VR experience at some point. So that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at VRHermit underscore Dave. And I'm at VRHermit underscore Joe. Uh, we also have a website, VRHermits.com. If you could, like us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or your podcast player of choice. 